You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org. I remember I was with my daughter Morgan when she was maybe third or fourth grade. We were riding in the car together. I picked her up from school one day and that called me and said, can you get Morgan? And I said, sure. And as I was taking her home, um, there was a, a book laying on the console there in the car between us. She said, Daddy, what is that book about? I said, well, let me think. How could I say this, Morgan? Um, I said, it's about, it's about vision, but not, not what you see with your eyes. It's more about what you see with your heart as you, as you look into your future. It's, it's about what you dream about. Maybe that's a good way to say it. And Morgan said, Daddy, what do you dream about? I said, well, Morgan, that, that's interesting that you would ask me that. That's probably why I'm reading the book I, I had pastored a church where we were seeing lots of people come to know Jesus and, and I transitioned to another church and we weren't, we weren't seeing that there and I was, a little, I was a little defeated to be honest with you. And I wasn't dreaming very much. I was just a little confused. And, and I said, I, I, I don't feel like I'm dreaming much these days. And so about that time, my phone was ringing, and I answered it, and it was my other daughter, Brittany, who was just a little older, and I said, hey, Britt, I'll put you on speaker. Morgan's with me. And she said, hi, Morgan. And Brit- Morgan said, hi, Brittany. Daddy doesn't dream anymore. <laughs> and I said, why would you say that? Well, you said you don't. And I said, well, I didn't mean I don't dream anymore. She said, and I think he has a tear in his eye. And I said, I do not have a tear in my eye. I'm driving into the sun, Brittany. It's not a tear. I promise. I think the truth is Morgan heard me really well that day and she, she was more on track than I thought she was. What do you dream about? When you think about the future. The, uh, the church has been uh, very gracious to call us here. But I realize I've been called here to lead. And over these last several months, God has been challenging me about the way that I lead. And the staff has been hearing some of this, and a few staff members have been hearing a lot of this. And if you've been with me at dinner or lunch recently, you've been a victim of this conversation as well. But I feel like the Lord has been saying, you don't need a vision. I've given you a vision. It's in your heart. But I want you to begin to articulate it to the church. I want you to tell the church what you dream about. When you think about the future of Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. And so when I, when I dream about this church, I, I, I dream about a people who are so hungry to be in His presence that they can't stand it. I, I dream about a congregation of people who are just living with, with hunger pains to be in the presence of Jesus. All I want to do is be in His presence again. And as a result of that intimacy and that relationship with Him, we make every effort. We cannot help but We cannot stop. We are driven. We are moved. We are motivated to share Jesus and connect Him with everybody we can. That, that's what I dream about when I dream about our church. 
I, I dream about a church that is so hungry to be close to Jesus and out of that closeness and that intimacy with Him that we cannot help but tell everybody we come into contact with about Jesus and we want to connect others to Him. That's what I dream about. And, and it's just kind of doing this. It's just saying, you know, could we come back to center here? Could we just, could we just, could we just make Jesus the center of everything again? Ask Carlin to help me out this morning. There's a little song we've been singing. And, and I had it on my mind all day yesterday. And I thought, I should call Harlan. And I said, no, I'm not going to. And finally, I think last night, maybe I called him and said, Harlan, um, help me with this little song tomorrow. And, and as we sing this, if you want to leave your eyes open, you can. If you want to close your eyes and sing, you can. If you want to kneel at your seat, you can. But as we sing it, I want you to dream with me. So what would it be like if, if our church was known as the church that is hungry for the presence of Jesus and because of the intimacy that we enjoy with Him, we are driven to share Christ with everybody we can. So, so sing these words, will you? And let's just... Let's just dream together. What if it was like this? Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Sing it again. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Nothing else matters Nothing in this world will do Jesus, you're the center Everything revolves around you Jesus, you center of my life Jesus be the center of my life from beginning to the end it will always be it's always been you Jesus Jesus and Jesus oh Jesus Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus. Father, the, the enemy works against us every day of our lives. We have become so busy and so many things bid for our time and our energy. 
and have conversations often with people like me. We sometimes have to work hard to keep you at the center. But some days we dream. We dream about what it would be like if you really were at the center, Lord. Let's sing, Harlan. Jesus, be the center of our church. Jesus, be the center of our church. Jesus, be the center of our church. From beginning to the end. From beginning to the end. It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. So Lord, this, this is our prayer today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you, why don't you pick up your Bible and open it to the Gospel of John? Would you do that? To John chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible with you today, there might be a Bible in front of you. You can pick that Bible up. We'll also put words on the screen for you. For John, it's all about Jesus being at the center. And you can see it readily as he writes his gospel. In fact, when you get to chapter 20 of his gospel in verse 31, he says, These things I have written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. So John says, the reason I wrote this stuff was that you might know who Jesus is. That you might understand that He's the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing that, that you would have life in His name. He starts His gospel with words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. He is life. When you get to verse 14, he says, God became flesh, the Word became flesh, and made His dwelling among us. And what he's saying is, you've been talking and writing and thinking about logos, creation and order and reason for years. I'm telling you, that is Jesus. He has come. He is the Creator. So so for John, it's all about Jesus is the center of everything. He's wanting you to understand clearly who Jesus is. And of course, he calls you to the place of you, you make Jesus the center of your life. Let me, let me go to chapter 1, verse 35, okay? John then begins to move into a narrative about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is quick to say, I am not the Messiah. I'm the voice in the wilderness calling, make straight the way for the Lord. I baptize with water, okay? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is the Son of God. These are the words of John the Baptist now, as John the Apostle quotes him. And so one day he sees Jesus and he says to his disciples, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then on the next day, which would be the third day of Jesus' ministry, he sees Jesus, John the Baptist does. And John the Apostle writes the story about John the Baptist. In verse 35 is where we are. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, a second time he said, Look, 
the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So turning around, Jesus saw them following. And he asked, maybe one of the greatest questions that's ever been asked. What do you want? It's a good question for you to ask yourself today. What do you want? You're following Jesus, right? What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, and then you get these parentheses, which means teacher. Because you remember that John writes his gospel to a Greek audience who do not have a Hebrew memory. So the word rabbi would not mean anything to them, and so he translates it for them. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? You want to know what we want? We want to be where you are. We want to be in your presence. That's what we want. And here's this grand invitation. (laughs) Well, come. Jesus replies. Come and you will see. So they went. And they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. This is God's word for us today. I got to spend some time at our at our campground this past week with with our with our mid high students. We did not get to take a hundred mid high students to to camp this past week. We got to take ninety nine mid high students to camp this week. I was so proud of them. Now, if you just heard me say that they kept really neat rooms and they were well-behaved and quiet. That was a complete misunderstanding. I said I was proud of them is what I said. Uh, they were awesome. I, I sat down in, in chapel service on, on Wednesday night and I was just overflooded with memories about spending so many years at camps as a youth pastor and then after a youth pastor directing camps. And and there was a season where I took Brittany with me, my, my youngest daughter. She was four, five, and six, probably, maybe five, six, and seven when I was taking her with me. And, and I sent her a text. Britt, I'm at a youth camp. You and I spent a lot of summers at youth camp together. She texts back, greatest memories, Dad, of my life were being there with you. I, I, I loved youth camp so much because when I was a youth pastor, I, I thought, you know, when we take kids to camp, we get them out of their home environment, neighborhood environment they get to this other place and they get to spend some time hearing good preaching good teaching a lot of good small group stuff good worship and and you get them away from the environment enough and you kind of get them in this different setting and and god speaks to them and so here i was away from my home and my church world and my work world and sitting there in chapel and within 20 minutes I was sitting by Anderson here in a worship service and and all of a sudden God was speaking to me. (laughs) Isn't it awesome? He comes to me. 
he finds out, you found me here. And I found myself just in the presence of the Lord and I found myself praying. I found myself writing things on my phone that I didn't want to forget. I was saying, Lord, it's so good to be here in your presence. I, I, I love a, an author named A.W. Tozer. And Tozer says, Christian theology teaches doctrine, the doctrine of provenient grace, which briefly stated means this. That before man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. We pursue God because and only because he first put an urge within us. A.W. Tozer says, Christian theology teaches the doctrine of provenient grace, which briefly stated means this, that before a man can seek God, God must first seek the man. We pursue God because and only because he first put an urge within us. So before a person is saved, before a person knows to respond to God's grace, God has to Put it in the man's heart. God does all the work. He initiates everything. We, we cannot find God on our own because what God is not lost in the first place. We are. But God comes to us. N.T. Wright, when he writes about this story I read you a moment ago about these two disciples who follow Jesus and say, where are you staying? And they go spend the day with him. N.T. Wright says, what they thought was that they were looking for the Messiah. And what they did not know was that the Messiah was actually indeed looking for them. And so when I dream about a church that just seeks God, that desires to be in the presence of Jesus, I realize we don't have the power on our own to create that, that we rely first on the grace of God who draws us to himself. And what we do is we respond to his grace and his goodness. And so even after I become a follower of Christ, I realize in my walk with God that he continues to do all the initiating. And I find myself at a church camp and I find myself all of a sudden being drawn into the presence of God and the Lord finding me there. I didn't find him. He found me in that moment. And so John talks about this experience of these two disciples and he tells the story in this way. He says that the next day, and he's really trying to, I guess, recite the, the days of Jesus' ministry as they, as they unfold. He, he starts with day one, and then he says the next day, and then he says the next day. And this is day three, obviously, of Jesus' ministry. It, it's interesting to me that after John says, look, the Lamb of God, we don't hear a lot from John from that point on. A trained teacher would train his disciples then to teach others. That was common. That was the way a rabbi would function. I'm going to get a group of disciples around me. I'm going to train them and then they will become a rabbi and they will teach other disciples. What was rare and unusual was that a rabbi would recommend his students to a greater teacher. But that's what John the Baptist does. Look, you should pay attention to him. And he takes all the attention off himself, John the Baptist. And in fact, then he just kind of fades into the background. You hear very little about him really until his death when Herod takes his life. And he kind of fades away. And he points to Jesus. And so two of the disciples, one's name is Andrew 
We don't know the name of the other one, but most people assume it was probably the guy who was writing John the Apostle himself. They followed Jesus. And as they're following Jesus, you can't understand why maybe they would not just force themselves on Jesus. Hey, hey, come here, we want to talk to you. It wasn't like that. Maybe it was out of respect, and it seems that maybe that would have been the custom to approach a rabbi, that you would wait for an invitation. And Jesus turns around. Because that is the character and the nature of God. He turns to us. And even after we walk with Him in salvation... He still initiates this drawing closer to Him. Jesus makes it easy. He turns and He asks them the question. What do you want? This, this, this grand invitation, you know, that He gives. I, I, I love the question, and I've been thinking about the question a whole lot this week. Historically, there, there were many people who wanted something from Jesus. When you think about the context of the setting in which he walked the world, there were probably many people who wanted to have a conversation about the details of the law, like the scribes and the Pharisees would wanted to have had with Jesus. What do you want? I want to talk about the law. He was asked all kinds of questions like, what's the greatest commandment? You remember that question. We want to talk about the details of the law, Jesus. There were, there were others who wanted to talk about position and power, like the Sadducees would have been interested in. And then there were nationalists who probably wanted Jesus to be a mighty ruler who would help conquer, at least get their freedom back from Rome. That's what people would have been looking for. But, but it seems that there were at least two people who were looking for God. Who wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. Who wanted forgiveness. Who wanted peace. Who wanted light. So I, I think it's a worthy question. And, and I never ask you a question that I'm not willing to wrestle with the week prior myself. And I've been wrestling with this question this past week. Rick Harvey, what do you want? You're following Jesus, right? Yes. What do you want? So can I challenge you in these next few minutes to struggle with that question with me? What is it that you want? You following Jesus? You are? Then tell me. What do you want? What do you want out of this whole thing? I mean, there's, there's some really good pious, beautiful, correct, wholesome, right kind of answers to this question, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those are our answers. Sometimes when I talk to people, I realize what they want is they want to make some more money. They want enough money that they don't have to worry about money. You want to know what I really want out of this whole thing right now? I want some more money. That's what I want. Some people are honest enough to say, I'm, I'm, 
You know, in life right now, I'm looking for pleasure. Or at least they frame it in this language. I want to be comfortable. I've come to realize that we are very committed to this idea of being comfortable. And being comfortable has become a God to us. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be validated. I want to be recognized for my abilities and my talents and my gifts. I want people to see me for who I am. I want the promotion. I don't think it's wrong to want enough money to the point that you don't have to spend your life worried sick about money. And I certainly don't think it's wrong to want to enjoy yourself. And I don't think it's wrong to want to do well in life. It's a matter of priority. I think it becomes a question of what is, what is first in your life? I mean, Jesus even said, seek first the kingdom of God. These other things, what you're going to eat and drink and... I'll worry about that. Don't you worry about that. I'll worry about that. Just make sure that you've got what's most important in the most important place on your list. And so I guess, is there anybody in the room that says, you know, Rick, you want to know what I really want? I want to believe in my heart that I can live a life that's different than the life I'm living now. I want to be closer. I don't want to play this church thing. I want to live this Christian life. I want to experience the glory and the beauty of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And I want to be a part of all of that happening. I want to know God. I want to be hungry for His presence. That's what I want. I'm not a fan of Mediterranean food by any means. But my wife is, and so I go some. And I've and I've learned that there's a food there that I like. And it's and it's well it's a sandwich. It's a it's a gyro. It's this meat that that kind of rotates on this thing for hours as it cooks and they slice it off and put it in a pita. I, I like that. And so even if I'm not with Annette, sometimes I'll, I'll go to this one place. If I'm just needing to drive through quick and get something and keep going, I'll go get one of these Euro sandwiches. And so I pulled up the other day and I sat there. The thing is spinning. The lights are on. Even a television is on. But nobody comes to wait on me. I don't see anybody in there. I'm looking, trying to see nobody. And so finally I... 
I honk my horn. Nobody comes. And so I thought, well, what do you, what do, you do, you know? It'd been, it'd been a few minutes. I said, well, I probably should drive away. Before I drove away, I, I backed up my car where I could get the door open. And I got out and I walked up to the window that I could see in. And I was going to knock on the window. And when I looked in the window, right before I knocked, I saw the guy. And he had a rug laying out on his floor. And he was on his knees on that rug. And as I saw him, he was moving down with his forehead to touch the ground. And he was praying. So I got back in my car and I pulled back up to the window. And Ed said, what'd you do? I said, I just set on my horn. I really didn't. I didn't. I was teasing him. I just waited. And in about two minutes, maybe, more, he opens the window. He's never been really friendly. Never seemed to be thankful that you were buying food from him. He just gives you the facts. What do you want? A euro with no onions. He closes the window. Then when he gives it to you, he just tells you how much it costs. And then he hands you your change and you drive away. Have some real concerns about his religion. But I'm always extremely aware when I see somebody who is committed to pray into their God. I'm always very aware when I see somebody who is committed to pray into their God. I don't know, but somehow it seems to me that In the Christian world, we've kind of, we've kind of begun to see prayer as this optional thing. We don't live with the desire to be in His presence. What do you want? Where are you staying? We want to be where you are. We want to be with you. We want to talk to you. We want to spend time with you. We want to be in your presence, Jesus. Where are you staying? That's what we want. If you want to know what we want, that's what we want. It's not a what, it's a who, and it's you that we want. We want to be with you. We want to spend some time with you. If you want to know what we want, then we'll tell you what we want. We want you. Nothing else we're wanting right now. We want you. Well, then come and see. Just come on. <laughs> if that's what you want, then come on. Door is open. Lights on. Come on in. You don't have to beg for that. And they spent the day with him. I try to ask myself questions like, when's the last time you spent a day in his presence? I think that we want to be like Andrew. And if it's John, John. And I think that we want this experience of being in the presence of Jesus and the transformation that happens within His presence and living in a love relationship with Him. But I think there's more than that. I think that we also have to be able to give a good explanation to who we are and who He is as John the Baptist was able to do.
there's responsibility that comes with this grace that we receive. And it's not just a matter of saying, yeah, me and Jesus, we're together. And if I just got a worship song or two through the day, I'm good. I think there's a matter of being in the Word, growing in your faith. John, who are you? I'm not the Messiah. I, I baptize with water. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. But I am nobody other than that. I know who I am. But John also knew who he was, and he was able to give the right explanation. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that he is the chosen one of God. I heard that a preacher said recently, when I preach, and after you leave, I don't want you to say he knew a lot about Jesus. I want you to say he knew Jesus. And I think I understand what he was saying, but I think I want you to say both after I preach. I think there's responsibility with this grace. And I think as a Christian, I want people to say that about you and me. They know Jesus, but they know a lot about Jesus. They give themselves to knowing more about Jesus. And so here's what happens. We'll get to this next week. We'll be in the next few verses. And John says, after this day spent with Jesus, the next thing Andrew did, the very first thing they did, he goes and tells his brother Peter, we have found the Messiah. Do you know what happened as a result of that? Do you understand that the future of the world changed because of that? Do you know what started it? It was the day spent with Jesus. See, here's what happens. We, we say, wow, look what happened. Look at the harvest, look at the results, look at the benefits. And we want to be a part of the results and the harvest and the benefits. But we tend to forget what the cause of the effect was. We're more interested in the effect than the cause. Don't know that we're willing to invest in the cause, but we want the benefits. And it's kind of funny to watch churches all over the world. How can we just side bypass all of that and just get to the benefits how can we make our church grow well God makes it grow it's a matter of being with him and so as we move to next week we'll get to celebrate all that God is doing but that fire was fueled by being in the presence of Jesus We get to celebrate today this Jesus. We get to, we get to put Jesus just in the center. <laughs> and we get to sit at His table. And don't you love this? Can you imagine the very first time that this supper was celebrated? Who was it? It was a group of guys and it was Jesus. And they were at a table with Him. They were just in His presence. And so he invites us today, come to the table and receive grace. And it's grace that we need. If we are ever going to become that kind of church, if I'm ever going to become that kind of a person, if you're ever going to become that kind of a person, it's because grace was one day extended to us. And so I want you to stand with me at this time. And those of you who are going to service, would you please make your way forward?
You don't, you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion this morning, okay? It is important that you're sincere in what you're doing. This is a means of God's grace to us. And it's often in this moment, as we share in this sacrament together, that God's grace is extended to us. I pray that this morning, God changes your heart as you eat and as you drink, that you experience His grace in your life today. And so, after everybody has received the elements, please just hold on to them, and then together, as a community, we call this communion, by the way, Holy Communion, as a community, we will eat and we will drink together. Okay? My faith has found a resting place Not in device or creed I trust the ever-living one His wounds for me shall last supper Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body that is broken for you take it and eat it and then he took the cup and he said this is my blood of the new covenant drink it all of you and be thankful We are thankful, Father, we are humbled, 
We are unworthy. We are amazed. Thank you. What a gift. We are so blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.